You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Good morning, Real Life. How are you guys doing? Got excited to be here today? Isn't it funny? All those things are pretty funny, and then it's like, oh, wait a minute. It's, maybe it's not so funny. Anybody ever thought about running in front of a train? We'd be better than facing your financial uh, disaster that somebody else obviously created for you. You had nothing to do with it. It was blaming somebody else. So anyway, uh, I'm excited to be here. My name is Josh Gray. I am the executive pastor here at Real Life. The privilege of bringing you uh, the B part of our ABCs of Financial Freedom uh, sermon series. And so last week, if you missed it, it's online but it's about on your attitude, your attitude about money, your attitude towards God, towards others, all those things. And this week, uh, we get to dive into bondage. And so a long, long time ago, um, before we had this crazy thing called the interwebs, um, we had these things called dictionaries. And some of you maybe know what those are. That's not Google. Um, And there were books and they were really thick and you could find words in there and stuff. And so I took the liberty of uh, finding the, the word bondage today, but I didn't use a dictionary. I just went to Google, like you're supposed to, right? And, uh, definition, bondage. And uh, bondage is a noun, is what it says. And here's what it says. It says it's the state of being a slave. Okay. Uh, sentence they use, the deliverance of the Israelites from Egypt's bondage. Synonyms, slavery, enslavement, servitude, subjugation, uh, subjection, oppression, domination, and exploit. All synonyms of the word bondage. Isn't that exciting? Don't you guys want to go out and get into bondage? They don't sell that when you're trying to get a new car? Hey, it's bondage. It's awesome. Let me tell you some things about this car. It's going to help you be in slavery. How about credit card debt? Right? Stereos. I, I remember having a stereo that I paid on for a long time. It was a very expensive stereo. But it was only like uh, 18% interest. It was a good deal. <laughs> so, um, synonym is liberty. We'd have some synonyms in our church uh, from bondage would be shalom, peace, freedom. Freedom. So, uh, this, as we dive into this, uh, we have these books that the church purchased last year which the church is you guys, so thanks for buying them for each other and for everybody. Uh, the church, we purchased these books last year and we have some more of them and we wanted each family to have one because obviously you're gonna be in a care group and they're going through this. We sold out of workbooks last week and we ordered more of those for you, but also there's workbooks. Anybody in here doesn't have the, this book? Any family member? Right there in the back? All right, can you run this back there to them? Can you run this to the very back and hand this book? Very back, they'll raise their hand again. All right, got, got one out, good. Um, so uh, we talked about, when we're talking about bondage, we wanted to know from you guys, what's God done in your life since last year when we taught this sermon series? Has anything happened in your life um, in regards to debt? And are you maybe, are you less in debt this year than you were uh, this time last year? Or are you more in debt? Or what's your stories? And so we want you to shoot those stories in to um, uh, comment at Life or OTP. I think it's on your notes. And we want to share those anonymously. But we had somebody shoot in a story that I wanted to share with you. This could be somebody sitting in here today um, or in Pullman. We'll leave the names out. But it's kind of exciting. It says, our story uh, really begins back in 2015, or at least the exciting part of it where God's conviction and grace really showed up in our lives. For the previous years of my young professional and before that student life, tithing carried a mixed bag of misunderstanding, anxiety, 
and avoidance. Living from paycheck to paycheck to pay off bills and the debt I acquired. I found myself at the end of each month with little or nothing to spare. God didn't get the first fruits of my labors as I had already allocated his tithe elsewhere. During these years, I'd heard various sermons and talks about being faithful in what God calls us to, particularly in the area of personal finance. I'd be touched by the short-lived conviction and then justify or rationalize my disobedience, at least until I could get my head above water. Besides, God didn't really need my money. The church seemed to be doing fine without my few hundred dollars a month anyway, right? My understanding of what it meant to tithe and my views towards money were conflicted. It took me a long time to start practicing and learning uh, discipline in my finances and understanding what it meant to be a good and faithful steward of what God has blessed me with. My wife and I, prior to getting married, dated for about two and a half years, including our engagement. This period marked uh, immense transformation in my own personal life as God prepared to sharpen my heart to be a husband and spiritual leader in our family. We were spending a lot of money in travel and then, of course, more through our engagement and preparations for weddings. It was about this time, amid such transformation in our lives, that we committed to tithing 10% to the church. We had always had a joyfulness towards giving, and this helped our hearts even more in the area God invites us, calls each of us into. We were reminded in Luke 16:10, it says, if you're faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Little did we know that being faithful in our giving would help transform the way we viewed and loved God's church, our community, and the freedom of letting go. Fast forward to present day, we've experienced so many blessings that we can attribute to this simple act of faithfulness. Finally, as a couple, we are making 150% more than we did less than three years ago, which, we have, which has been attributed to several promotions and greater job satisfaction. In addition, we are now completely debt-free, having paid off all of our credit card debt, our car loans, and our wedding expenses. And actually, have this thing called a savings account. We've learned uh, that all we have has been given up to us by grace, and it can be taken away just as quickly. Our experience is and giving has taught us many things, but above all, the great lesson has been one of gratitude, faithfulness towards God, uh, towards, towards a God that loves and provides for us. That's somebody in here or in one of the services sitting next to you. That's their story. It's not the church story. It's their story. And speaking of the church's story, we've done some amazing things with your generosity, with your tithe. Uh, Thursday night, we had, if you weren't here for the Thursday night service, we had three people that got baptized Thursday night. Three people that are saying, I want to follow God. I want to be different. I don't want, I don't want the things of this world that, that I want for me. I want the things of this world that God wants for me. And that's a victory. Last year, we had 46 baptisms, uh, $5,000 in hurricane relief, 180 food cards distributed. I gave out a food card this morning. Uh, 800 hours in community service, uh, 59 community projects through Surfest, uh, $10,000 in assistance for planning churches across the U.S. We hired additional staff in Pullman. Uh, we paid over $300,000 of debt off on the church, the chairs you're sitting in. The, this area that we're in, we paid an extra $300,000 on top of our mortgage to pay down the debt of our church because we should want to be out of debt too as, as a community. We sent five people to substance uh, abuse and rehabilitation. That's $2,500 a person to give them a chance to change their life. 
We launched a church in Missoula. We sent Paul and Logan, and we, and we helped fund them on their way over there. Um, missionary support, uh, $30,000 uh, in assistance for people in need that live right in our communities. Utility bills, well, all that stuff. This is you. This is you. I hope you're clapping for you guys, right? Uh, we support Palouse CareNet, a local campus ministry. Uh, we provided uh, 39 scholarships for kids to go to camp. That's cool. You know, our staff did over 1,300 hours of counseling. If you're a counselor, you can do the math on that. You're like, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. And why are we able to do that? So we're trying to follow God's plan. And we encourage you to follow God's plan. I hope this gets to your heart today. This isn't about you giving more money so we can celebrate more things. That's cool. We'll do that. And I'm going to do the best that I can with the finances that you give our church. I really am. I, I do wrestle with all of those things. And I want to make sure that we're making God's name great. But for a lot of you, this is a transition. Churches are transitions. You move to different places. We're a transitional community, and we move in, and we move out, and we go to different churches and different towns, and it's not about the name of real life. Today, learning about debt and bondage is about the name of God. And wherever you go, you want to shine the name of God greatly. And the way we do that is trying to be obedient to God. And so we got a long way to go. We're going to dive in the text. I'm going to skip some. We'll fly through this thing. I don't want to keep you too long, but this is really important. This is a decision today that could change not just your future, not just your children's future. It could actually go outside of your family by you choosing to live a lifestyle that God would have you live and go for generations and generations and generations and generations. I hope you take it to heart. Deuteronomy 28. So this is uh, Moses is getting ready to transition things over to Joshua and he's talking and we've been, it's like we've been through all these things together and here's some things I want to tell you. God wants to tell you. He says, and if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth and all of the blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. How many people want all of God's blessings to come upon you and overtake you? Me, pick me, Lord, pick me. Pick you too. He pick, here's the good news. He has picked you. He has picked me. We have to choose to accept it. And accepting it means following what he wants. So he says, yeah, I want to bless you. Uh, so all your blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle the increase of your herds and the young of your flock, blessed shall be your baskets and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessings on your barns and, and in all that you undertake. And he will bless you in your land that the Lord your God has given you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. All the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. Ooh, be afraid of you because you're debt free. <laughs> be afraid of you because you don't need their money. Wow. 
And the Lord will, will make you abound in prosperity in the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your livestock and the fruit of your ground within the land of the Lord your, uh, swore uh, to give your fathers to give you. The Lord will open you to his good treasury. Who I want access to the Lord's treasury. Anybody else want access to the Lord's treasury? Yeah, pick me. How do I get access to that again? Uh, let's see, how do I get access to the Lord's treasury? Oh, that's right, it's obedience again. I have to obey the things that he's asking me to obey, right? So the Lord will open you to his good treasury, the heavens, to give you rain in your, uh, in your land and in its season and to bless all the works of your hand. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head, not the tail. How many people have been the tail of their finances before? How many people have had the banks and the credit card statements and everybody else tell you that you're going to work? Right? How many people have, have had that in their life? Where you, do you want to be the head of your finances or the tail of your finances? I want to be the head of my finances. Well, how do I do that? I wish I just knew how. I think God tells us. And you shall only go up and not down if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do them. And if you do not turn aside from any words that I command you today to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods and serve them. Well, that's Old Testament stuff. Probably doesn't apply to us today, right? I mean, why would God want his people today to be out of debt? What good could come of that? Of course good could come of that. We are his people. He gave us his son so we could be his people. He wants you to be out of debt. He wants you to be able to shine brightly upon other people. And we live in a world that's addicted to debt. We don't even know it. We're marketed. We mock it. And sitcoms. I, I got credit card offers this week. Anybody else? Yeah. Right? And I don't even know if we're addicted to debt. I was thinking about this as I was preparing this. Are, are we actually addicted to self? Are we addicted to the things that we absolutely need and, and gotta have? Because you know the iPhone 10 is a necessity. Totally different than the eight or the seven or the six because it actually recognizes your face. And so that's worth 41.66 a month for the next 24 months is what Verizon told me. But it's, you know, you're not paying interest on it. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a computer, right? It's just your phone. Uh, yeah, I have the iPhone six. I think six is the old one, right? Still works, kind of. Um, sort of. But what do we really need? Roll back a couple hundred years with me. What if it was 200 years ago? First of all, we wouldn't be sitting in plush chairs and uh, be a much smaller congregation and all those things. But 200 years ago, you know what most of the men in here would be concerned with 200 years ago? You would be hoping that you had cut enough wood for the winter to heat your house. You would be hoping that your hunting went so well that you have enough cured meat and your garden went so well that you have enough vegetables to feed your family that you're going to make it through. Have things changed? Like really, when we talk about the time span of, the, of people on this, on this world, like look at the last 200 years. Now I'm wondering what kind of rims I want on my truck. I don't have a truck, but if I had one, I'd be wondering that. Right? Now I'm wondering what, like, and that's cool. Like, and those things are awesome. It's not bad if you have those things. It's bad if you financed them. It's bad if you financed them. 
And so seven, we have seven statements, and I, I just think about like the selfies and self this and self that. What do we really need? Do I really need it? And define what a need is in your life. Maybe that changes things. Seven statements to help avoid the snare of debt. The Bible doesn't forbid it, but it does discourage debt. Proverbs 22 says the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. So there's different kinds of debt. So you may be a business owner in here and you may be having the need to expand and you may be leveraging money to do that and you're gonna, you see a payoff at the end. If I leverage this, then I think this is going to happen and I'm going to be successful on that. And maybe that's the kind of debt that we would see in the text about land and different things that are, that are happening out there. But in America, we're kind of probably talking about the average 23 to $25,000 credit card debt that people have. This unsecured debt for to buy things that I needed needed, right? We're talking about car debt because who doesn't need a car? I need a car, right? And who's the best at justifying? I'm a high, high, high persuader is my personality profile. And you know who I'm the best at persuading? This guy. I'm so good at it. I could justify it up and down one side, the other. Oh, we got to have this. We got to have this. We got to have all of these things. And realistically, what do we really need? What kind of debt am I into? So currently, and I submit myself before all of you, the hardest thing about preaching sermons for me is because I got to lay it all out there and I have to personally apply it. I'm not going to get up here and talk to you guys about debt and have $23,000 of credit card debt. Last year when I spoke to Pullman, I'm not going to get up here and talk about debt and have a $12,000 truck pay or $12,000 left that I owe to my truck and I was making a truck payment. So I tried to sell my truck, this beautiful gold Ford F-150. It was real nice. Heated seats, whew, it was nice. Um, I tried to sell it before I preached the sermon but God didn't sell it till three days afterwards. And so <laughs> I was kind of bummed. But I sold my truck last year and we took some money out of this saved money that we had and what the proceeds I got for my truck because I was in it right. And we bought a used Honda Accord. Very sensible. <laughs> Honda fans here. I used Honda Accord. And so apparently I can drive the vehicles, I can, uh, I can drive what I can afford. So I can afford 150,000 miles on my, uh, on my Suburban truck that we own free and clear. And I can afford a Honda Accord, but I couldn't afford a $30,000 Ford F-150 because I didn't have the $30,000 to pay for it. So I'm trying to apply everything in my life as we teach up here to you guys, and I would encourage you to apply it in your own lives. This is not a good on Josh. This is just I can't be up here and be hypocritical and preach about something that I'm not doing myself. And I'm doing it within our own church's finances. Amen? Do you want a manager of your church finances who's going to treat it like the same way? Yeah, I do. So uh, how about this? The longest term of debt in the Bible is seven years. Did some figuring. The we we only thing we owe on is our house, $183,000 on our house. And I was like, seven years to pay it off. All I have to do is add $1,800 a month to my mortgage. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to try. And you guys will be able to hold me accountable to this later on in another year when we talk about finances. Uh, I'm going to try and pay that baby down. Now, I don't know if I can get to the $1,800 mark, but my fabulous kids are done with braces in about another month, and I got 304 bucks coming back into my pocket that's going to go right into the bank pocket, maybe. I haven't been missing it for the last two years anyway. So, um, you know, maybe we'll apply that to our house. But this is, we learn so many amazing things in our church. We have such great depth of biblical teaching. 
And you leave here, if you pay attention on most weeks, you leave here a heck of a lot smarter than you came. Sometimes you leave here wowed. And you're like, wow, I didn't know that. This is the apply it sermon. They're all apply it sermons, but this one is like, you're not going to be wowed. You're going to be like, Like, I left, why did they do that? No, we want you to change your life. So seven years, do that math, right? Uh, Number three, uh, the use of, uh, uh, Jesus endorsed the use of leverage using banks to gain wealth. I wonder why. I wonder why it'd be okay to have a bunch of money in a bank and loan it out to other people through a bank. And you know what happened? Actually, I know why. Because God's people, who God can speak to their ears, who will actually listen and obey what God tells them to do, can do some pretty tremendous things in this world. You know, there was a church once that was trying to buy a shopping mall because it needed a home. You may know of it. And uh, this church needed uh, an extra $200,000 to put down on this shopping mall. And the leader of this church got a chance to visit with somebody who attended the church and said, hey, um, I uh, need $200,000 for the church. And a lot of us would be like, hey, brother, let me pray with you. <laughs> let me pray for you. I got to pray for you. Okay. Now, this person's like, yeah, that sounds like I, I, they've managed their finances well. Yeah, I'll, I'll stroke a check for $200,000. So is it okay to have money in the bank? Is it okay to live? Sure, you should be doing that. And if God has your ear, I hope you have millions. I hope he quadruples your businesses and if whatever you're doing, I hope he buries you in money, especially if he has your ear. The tithing thing is just a, yeah, okay, sure. That's the minimum, that's the basics. But being generous, how amazing would that be? If you're in debt, it affects everything you do, not just personally. Corporate debt affects everything we do. In our church, us being in debt on this facility that we remodeled and built out and did all these different things for to try and get it to, to, you know, we had an idea, a plan that we're gonna grow and do all these things. It affects our decisions, which is why I am encouraged by the elders and where we're encouraged to get out of debt as a church of our mortgage. Flee from it. It clouds your decisions in your personal finances and it clouds your decisions in, your corp- in, in the corporate world. You may cut corners at work because you're scared to lose your job and you're trying to hit some quota or number. It could compromise your integrity. So number four, it affects everything you do. Number five, co-signing. Uh, co-signing isn't a sin, but it's not smart. Guess what the bank knows if they're asking you for a co-signer? They don't think you're going to pay it. And just in case you don't, they want to have somebody else that they can prove has financial assets and has things to pay for because you're probably not going to pay for it, so they need a cosigner. Don't cosign, especially for family. That's a good way to wreck a relationship. It really is. I remember when Carrie and I were young in our marriage, my brother-in-law uh, wrecked a car on a test drive and his deductible was 500 bucks and he didn't have it. And he said, uh, you know, hey, can I borrow $500? And we had just learned this principle. And I was like, nope. No, you cannot borrow $500. I will give you $500. You 
So I'm going to pay it back, Josh. I promise I'm going to pay it back. I'm like, well, whether you do or whether you don't, I'm giving you $500. We're in a good spot. This is what God calls us to do. And cool, my brother-in-law did pay it back, but there was no strings attached to that money. Co-signing is a bad deal. My, uh, my oldest daughter is in college and she's working hard. She has two jobs and doing different things. And I think she's almost like a junior credit-wise and she has about $500 in debt right now. And she's working really hard. And I'm proud of her, working really hard. And we help out where we can, but she's working really hard to stay out of debt to put herself through school. They wanted me to co-sign for student loans. Like they were shocked that I wouldn't. Don't you love your kid? Yeah, that's why I'm not co-signing for him. Right? Yeah, I love him. I don't want to teach him to co-sign for stuff. Duh. No. Um, anyway, uh, point number six here is if you're in debt, you should get out as quickly as possible. When you think about debt, what's like, think about the worst food you've ever had in your mouth that you just like, you spit it out. It was awful. Just the nastiest thing you've ever tasted in your life. And you, that's how I want you to feel about the bad debt. When you think of that word debt, the credit card installments, all of that stuff, the stuff that you know that that was bad debt, that wasn't a house, that wasn't for a business, that wasn't for a certain type of education thing I was trying to get, that was just me not practicing uh, self-control. Spit it out. You should flee from your debt just like that food fleed from your mouth. Run from it. And number seven is God's plan for us is to be lenders, not borrowers. Do you know that if churches received a full tithe and had responsible management for that full tithe, do you know how many uh, governmental programs would be eliminated? We could give away $300,000 a year to our community, not 30. And we would have people lined up out the door to take it because they have those needs. So why wouldn't the church be the place where people come to for refuge? And not just spiritual help, because everybody's willing to pray with somebody, right? Pray with you. And not just help with just your marriage, and those aren't just just, those are great. Probably there because finances destroyed your marriage. But like, what if somebody was really, really in a tough spot and they needed that help? And we could use money to build a relationship with them to talk to them about Jesus. Is that a good use of your money? Change their life forever? Change their family legacy forever? So we are to be uh, lenders, not borrowers. So we're going to dive into our implications and time for communion. If the folks who are passing out communion could head back to get that. Um, Communion, we have an open table. I love this about our church. We take communion every week. We're not once a quarter. We're not once a month. We're five services a week, 52 times a year. Because we want you to have a chance. And we want you to know that Jesus Christ is the center of who we are. His sacrifice. You want to talk about a debt? His sacrifice to love us. To want to do life with us. To leave us a precious word and instruction booklet. Here, this is how you do it. This is how you get out of debt. Well, it's very complicated, you see. Actually, no. It's like that funny video last week. It's not complicated. It takes self-control. So as we dive into our our communion, if you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, we want you to, to partake with us as a family. And we'll hold it all together and we'll take it all together. Let's talk about our implications of this fabulous sermon. 
fabulous because it's God's stuff and because you're going to get free if you follow his, his rules. God wants his people to be financially responsible. How do you personally feel when you see somebody who claims to know and love God at the highest level from the biggest stages get pointed out as a fraud financially? What do you think of that person? What if you didn't know about this God thing? What would you think about the God that they serve? Wait a minute. You're like a reflection? Like you were created in the image of God? You are an actual reflection? You mean my finances are an actual reflection of God? Yep. When he's, people see you uh, in the community, they see you as somebody generous. Somebody who loves to give who opens their heart to needs. I hope so, because that's how they would see God. Debt is a reality of life, but it should be for the shortest amount of time and the lowest amount of interest. Today could be your line. You could choose today. Today, I will start to become debt-free. And just as money goes backwards the other way, with interest and sometimes people will chase it forever it also goes the other way forward when you start saving when you start making sacrifices if you have credit card debt today you shouldn't have cable TV you just shouldn't because you probably should have a different job to go get out of debt and not be watching TV what that's rude that's rude that's rude Get out of debt, flee from it. We don't have to be in it. It may take me 12 years to pay off my mortgage, but guess what? We're gonna have a party. I pay off that mortgage, we're gonna have a party. We're getting out of debt, right? Have that attitude, that passion towards it. Anytime we're in debt, we are not completely free to use the money the way uh, that, God, that God would have us use it. Our debt is controlling those things. I wanna give more to that. Josh, we want to send more people to rehab as soon as I pay off my credit card debt. Josh, we want to take care of the single moms in our church that are struggling and trying to go through school and raising up kids and all these different things. We want to do that as soon as now. And I got to tell you guys, I know we're talking about money and money's coming at you and all these things, but God wants, to, he wants you to surrender in all these areas of your life. It's not just about money. He wants to, you to surrender your heart in forgiveness. Who do you need to forgive? Who have you wronged? Who has wronged you? He wants you to surrender your heart in love. He wants you to, to love even when it hurts, even when they'll probably stomp your guts out. It's all about an attitude of surrender, but this money thing is so tight. You can't talk about that. No, we have to talk about it. And the great thing about our church is we only talk about it four weeks out of the year. If we talked about it biblically like Jesus did, we'd talk about it 36, 38 times out of the year. That's how much he talks about money. And so I just hope, guys, that this is coming across the right way, that, that it's not about the name of real life. It's not, I'm not trying to get into your personal financial business. I want you to have the heart for God and to hear him so well. And I want you to hear him with your finances. I want you to hear him with forgiveness. I want you to hear him in every single way in your life. And this is just one. This is the easy one. Last, God will help you get out of debt if you're committed to the process. Why would God give you a 
a, something he's asking you to do and then not help you get out of it. Flee from it, he says. Flee from debt. There's no God you just don't understand. He wants you out of debt. And he will help you get out of debt. You'll be amazed at all the cool things that will happen to you when you start making a decision. You will be, you, you're, I'm, I promise you. He is providing a path. He is providing a way. He wouldn't, he wouldn't give his son a stone when he's asking for bread, would he? Follow him. Trust him. Believe in it. He will help you. So, in our communion process, we just got to reset. Maybe this is your reset year. Maybe you heard this sermon last year, you've heard multiple sermons on giving, and yeah, 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 and you get motivated for a little bit, and yeah, 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 but then life happens to you. This is your reset point. You're drawing the line, like the Lord drew the line for us. He drew the line for us in, in communion. You can reset. If you want to reset, take this with me. So the night that Jesus was prayed, he held up his bread there, and he said, uh, take and eat. This is my body. Lord, we take your body. And then he took the cup. And he said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant. Do you want what he has for you? I do. I accept you, Lord. Father God, um, I love you. I love these people. I love your word. I just ask, Lord, that this would fall upon everyone in here in the right way, that you would have great appointments with them afterwards, Lord, with other people, and that they would see the heart that this isn't a church asking for money. This is you asking for their heart in all areas of their life, including money. So, Lord, help us to follow you that way. Help us to love you that way. Let us just feel your presence. Let us feel your word in action. Father, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, visit us on Facebook and Twitter, and visit our website, liferotp.com.